Here we are at season two of Truth Tastes Funny. This is a really, really enjoyable podcast to do. And today's episode is going to be a very interesting kickoff because it's very meditative and contemplative. So really settle in. Some, some episodes are a, little, are a little shorter, a little brisker. This one to me was just fascinating and fulfilling. Um, and I usually don't even do intros like this. I usually start with my funny thing about something and I'm going to, and I'm going to do that now. But, um, but I really, I feel like after about a year and a half of meditating, this is probably the kind of conversation that I'm capable of having. So if you want to look at it more from a comedic point of view, just imagine what I'm, what probably was like, uh, five years ago versus the kind of, uh, intellectual capacity I'm capable of now. That's how, that's how I would look at it. Otherwise, if you look at it from the point of view of my wonderful guest, Simona Mongo, then you're really, really in for a treat. The funny thing about ego is that for all its bluster, it's really just the smallest part of us. It's a risk averse protector and, uh, it, it comes up against the infinite entity that is our soul. See, I, 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 I messed that. I messed that up. I messed that up. That was, see, this is the thing. I'm not, I really not, um, I'm not as intellectually advanced as I thought. I was try what I was trying to say, what I was, what I was really trying to say is that the funny thing about ego is that, uh, for all its bluster, it's really just this scared little part of us that um, that uh, is a finite entity amidst the infinite possibility of the soul. We're we're ninety nine percent soul, one percent ego, uh, and yet we can get lost in our ego. That's the kind of shit that I was. That, that's really what I was. That's what I was trying to say. Anyway, this, ladies and gentlemen is my conversation with Simona Mongo. What if the truth came in a gel cap and we could just pop it in our mouths and forget about it? Well, it doesn't, and we can't. But we can laugh in the face of reality while plotting our survival. Welcome to the Truth Tastes Funny Podcast. I am your host, Hirsch Repun. And if my guests can handle the truth, so can you. Open wide, folks. Here it comes. My guest today is Simona Mongo, a spiritual life coach. And I think no matter where you are in your journey, you can hopefully benefit from some talk and consideration from somebody like Simona. So, Simona, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Hush. It's a great pleasure to be here with you. I'm so glad to have you. Tell us, if you will, the reason you consider yourself a spiritual life coach. Um, it's because uh, I'm, a, I'm a natural born life coach. That's what I've been doing since I was a small kid. You know, I was, I was coaching my schoolmates when I was seven. And I haven't stopped ever since. I've always coached everyone. Uh, the funny thing is that even when I was a small kid, uh, adults would ask 
uh, for my advice or my opinion on things. And I don't know why they said, they said, you look like you know something about that. And then when, when, I would, <laughs> when I would tell them what I thought about things, they say, but how, how do you know you're only eight or you're only 10? How do you know? I said, well, it's plain to see, isn't it? And, and it, was, it was really, really funny. I had this conversation. So you, were, times. you were like the, the local oracle. That people would <laughs> would come to see Simona. Oh, you we, you need to see Simona. And they would really meet this seven year old. This where That's where amazing. did you grow up? I grew up in Naples, in southern Italy. Um, oh, what a beautiful um, place to be a to be a uh, an oracle. <laughs> a, a, that's the best way I can describe it is 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 to to have a person that can can see things at really as they are, but they just aren't always visible to others, I guess. Um, yes, yes and no. I say no because, um, you know, when, when we come to this world as kids, we see a lot. We understand a lot. We know a lot. We have this, this wisdom, this understanding uh, that's unspoiled, that's real. Yeah. And then uh, the way we're brought up, uh, I can only talk for the West, but um, I seem to find similar patterns in, in other cultures as well. But in the West, uh, you know, I'm half Italian from the South and half Swiss. This is a completely different world. This is a Germanic world. It's different language. It's a different, it's all different. Uh, you know, the South, the warm South Mediterranean, and then the Swiss. I mean, the Swiss are, are known for being like very serious, very, you know, all of that. It's a completely different culture. But then I found that um, in both these cultures, and I've seen many more afterwards, we're all brought up in the same way, which is, uh, you know, you have to fit in. And basically societies are all pretty similar. Um, our European culture is mainly Christian, no matter if it's a Catholic, you know, culture from the South or the Protestant culture from the Germanic North, it's all about the same. And society's rules are similar, they vary a little bit, but it's all about, about learning the rules of the game and about fitting in more than you care to. And that's the problem. That's that's how we get, I find, kicked off our track. And um, for someone like me, I've been, I've been researching all my life. So as a, as a small kid, I remember uh, this feeling of, of being being at peace with, with the world, basically. And then I remember very well many, many, many years of my life of being not at peace with the world of not fitting in properly, of being strange and awkward and not what anyone expected uh, me to be and not wanting to be that. But then, yeah, wanting to be that so I could fit in, but it, it felt like very, um, you know, very misaligned for, for me, very misaligned. And then yeah. it took me a long time to get back to understanding that, you know, who we are as kids is who we're meant to be. And you have to then uh, take apart this whole structure that you have, have accepted, that you have taken on, that you have tried to fit into and more or less successfully, depending on the people. And for me, it was pretty <laughs> big trauma, all of that, you know, fitting into it first and then and then freeing myself of it again. So and you you must have known 
at that age, you probably saw what was, what, what your purpose was. And yet you didn't necessarily have the wherewithal at that age to define yourself the way that you would like to see yourself. That's right. You know, you, you mentioned, uh, I, in some of the, some of the materials that I, that I got to check out purpose, you know, trying to find our purpose in life. What is our reason for being here? Why do we, mm -hmm. why have we accomplished A, B, and C, but we're not happy? Yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about that journey for you. Hmm. That, if you ask me, is the journey. That's really understanding, or you could call it remembering what you came here for in the first place is, I think, <laughs> our life purpose in the first place and then of course it, it will take on different facets uh you we all come here with um lessons to learn with experiences we want to we want to live with things we want to see we want to understand we come here for expansion for growth and what they won't have is that we come here for the sheer joy of it we came we, we come here for for the the you know, the joy, the fun. And they make us believe that our life has got to be um, struggle and hard work and, and, you know, you have to do what you have to do and forget about that stuff that you like to do. You do that in your spare time, in your holidays, after five o'clock. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's not, that's not, this is a, a good way of, of uh, <clears throat> you know, mm, um breeding slaves basically of of having yeah, <laughs> yeah. of having some well fun is fun is a reward for something that we do you know fun is not an end to itself in society and that and that might make sense if if you're looking at it from the sociological point of view is saying well society has to function it has to thrive we can't waste time on everybody's individual needs. We have to work on the collective good. Of course. That's right? why we need to manipulate them. So, you know, we, we need to, I say enslave, I say enslave society, school, religion, family, they do enslave people and use them. And yeah. this is something I was never willing to accept for some reason, even in my, dark ages where I really, really lost my path because I have lost my path big time. And, but even then I, w I knew for sure I could have sworn that this is not how it's meant to be. This is the only light that I always, always had and never lost. I lost everything. I lost really, I lost my path in a, in a, in a bad way, in a, in a very painful way. But then that was, I could always have told you that. This is the, the one thing that never left me. The one awareness that never, ever left me. Well, the enslavement mm -hmm. aspect is a very, very apt term because what slavery also does is provide a false sense of security and a sense of belonging to the point where you start out thinking, what the hell are you doing to me? And by the time you've been doing it a while, you're like, oh, okay, I'm part of this I'm walking in this circle and they keep me fed and they keep me clothed and they, you know, they keep me from going the wrong way. 
whatever it might be. That's right. <laughs> they keep me from going that way. I'm walking this way, and this That's is the right. way everybody's walking. Yeah. And now I'm now I'm safe. And so sometimes, even though we see the path in front of us, that's the path that we should be on. We kind of chip away at it and and self destruct the mechanism for our progress because we know it's safer back there. It's safer in that slave slavery, in some way. In some way, in so some what, way that comes at a big cost. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about the cost, about when when you started paying the cost of losing your way um basically all the time you know i've been um in my 20s i was a visual artist i was doing um uh, uh, stained glass like from big objects to big things uh, i was always very creative so I would do like these these amazing I don't know sliding glass walls for villas in Rome or that kind of stuff and I was making like Tiffany lamps you know like beautiful things I was decorating painting all of that I was marbling I was doing all of that and it was very pretty and but always <clears throat> I was always kind of looking left and right to see if something you know, grab me more. I liked it. It was great. But, you know, and then in my 30s and 40s for the last 20, God, years, I've been a classical singer. And this is a gorgeous profession. It's absolutely gorgeous. You know, you, the music itself and you get to travel and you get to uh, to live this beautiful life in, you know, beautiful hotels, amazing theatres, airports, castles, cathedrals. You know, it's like, it's really, really glamorous. It's, it's gorgeous. And I was always asking myself, is that it? Is that really it? And I was like, oh, still, still wondering, doubting, looking, asking myself. And always asking, is that it? And the answer was kind of no. But what's the answer? I mean, you know, this is great. Um, it's great fun. I mean, imagine people who are doing nine to five, and I'm singing. Yeah, was there was there were there times at which it felt like it was great, like this is great, and then all of a sudden that would go away, or did it always feel a sense of not completely being fulfilling? Um, it was great, but there was always a, a little okay. kind of yeah. Of course, this is great. I mean, what do you want? You know, look at other people the way they live, and I'm I'm living this fabulous life. And sometimes I felt like, like, aren't you, aren't you, you know, uh, an ungrateful git? <laughs> you're living this amazing life and you're, and you're kind of, I was never complaining, but I was wondering. And it, it's, it's a life of freedom, you know, relatively speaking. It's a life of great freedom being, being a performing artist uh, compared to, you know, people who live normal lives with, with business hours and all of that stuff. It's, and if you can make a living at it. Yes. And you're sustaining yourself through yeah. your art. That's another level of gratification because a lot of people have a hard time having that monetize itself or exactly. support them. Exactly. So, so that's what more struggle. do you want? Exactly. Yeah, what, what more, more would you want? you want? You're able exactly. to get and you hear people say it all the time for themselves. I get I get paid to do the thing I love. How can I what more could I what more could I want? So where so where does that gap leave you that that void so um alongside my performing career i've always been 
teaching singing. I've always been a vocal coach also, like, uh, a, a, you know, singing teacher, like the technique from how do we breathe up to completing the technique and also a vocal coach uh, helping singers get uh, a role under the belt or getting some chamber music repertoire, maybe in, in languages they don't know, or, you know, that kind of stuff. So I've taught from like really beginners who had never sung a single note in their lives up to pros who wanted to polish something. Uh, and I, I love doing all of that. I always loved doing all of that and I still do. And I've always seen one thing that out of say 10 people who come to you for singing lessons, uh, maybe two come for the technique or for the repertoire or for something. They, they know you can teach them something they want and they come for that. The other eight or so come to sing because they feel very strongly that singing is a way of exploring themselves, of getting to know themselves better, of overcoming things, of overcoming fears or that. And so uh, my vocal coaching always ended up being life coaching to a, to a certain extent, sometimes to a big extent. And that suited me to the ground because, you know, that's that's what that's what I do naturally. But then I, I was in the frame of, of singing, but then I took people really to other places as well, like things that haven't got anything to do, if you will, with singing. Of course, everything is related. All aspects of our lives are related to one another. So, of course, but it didn't look like singing lessons at all. We're talking about completely different things. How did that, can you give me an example of that where someone would start out with you as a, as a student of singing and it might go into a completely different area? Yeah, sometimes it, it was like really, um, and it still is, I mean, it happens. I, I keep teaching singers as well because I think this is an incredible uh, tool for self-development and self-discovery and all of that. So I think as, as a life coach, being able to teach people to sing is is amazing. So an example of that would be someone who, for example, came to their fourth or fifth lesson, started to ease into it, started to trust me more, started to, and would kind of let go a little bit, would, you know, lower their defenses a little bit, would surrender to the process a little bit more. And then suddenly while singing, they would burst out crying like like burst out crying in the middle of, of of a note of an exercise of something and that was uh you know the singing or this deep breathing that you do that connects you a lot with your body that would release some stuff that was kind of trapped under the surface and try to you know not look at it and then the the voice getting your truth out because singing is is a way of speaking your truth and it brings it brings all sorts of things with it the voice the voice is a vehicle that can get incredible stuff out of you sometimes without you even knowing or realizing the voice can talk for you and you you really didn't mean to but your voice does it voice is incredible so what so what would happen then they'd have this emotional breakthrough <laughs> and then, where would you take that i would i would um just le leave them in their space for for a minute or so and then say, uh, do you know what this is all about? Can you feel, can you feel what's happening here? 
and sometimes they they didn't know <laughs> or weren't comfortable to share so they would say something like like I don't know it's just it's just um, I'm just overwhelmed or you know I've never experienced my voice like that this kind of stuff and sometimes they would say oh my god if you knew what's happening in my life and then uh, it, it was it was just like a cork popped and, and you know and then sometimes they would just bring it all out and uh, it was so it they was, wanted to in a way they 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 may have known at least subconsciously going in that they're wanting something more than just singing yes, yes they're not I'm doing sure this that. the way you look up singing lessons on the internet or you want to learn how to play the clarinet and you know it's going to take an x number of lessons and so many hours a day they were they were probably feeling and missing and longing many for of them. something yes more. many of them yes Absolutely. And and did did it in any cases have a profound change on their life in terms of what they were doing with their lives? Um, um, a couple were put in the position of choosing whether they were going to be professionals or not. And they made different choices. Some did, some didn't. Um, so like really practical, you know, big practical change, like, okay, I'm going to become a singer or no, I, I'm not, but th this is their choice. Right. But the, the big changes you saw would be like, even in the way they, they appeared in the way they, they moved in the way they walked, you would see people who, who you experienced at the beginning as being like completely cr uh, crushed, completely shriveled up in themselves find uh, also through breathing through through filling their lungs you know from the bottom and not breathing like that like you're in fight or flight mode all the time but learning to breathe down here into the bottom of your lungs and that's where the emotions get you know let loose and people then walking around like with with double their chest like like a chest like that a straight back so much air going in so much energy being taken in and transformed and, and given back because it sounds, end... it sounds incredible because it is, it is what I envision when I think of someone who is completely in touch with their purpose, yes. that they would walk so boldly and largely into a, into a space. Sometimes uh, performing gives us that feeling temporarily. Yes. Sometimes we go out on stage and we perform, you know, in my case, stand-up comedy or some musical comedy or something like that. But it, 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 because we're opening it up to an entire audience, we're able to take in all that air and let out all that air among this, this big, this big group. And, uh, and to be able to carry that into your day-to-day -day life and yeah. feel that sense of fullness Exactly. Uh, it seems seems amazing. I don't yeah. know. I I don't know what it is that switches that open because obviously, as you were, it's not always the singing part. Sometimes people come to you. What what do people come to you with? What do they say? What is the first thing that a lot of these a lot of oh they want to sing? Or... They want to sing. Yeah, they come for singing. Uh, like like um. You know, they come and say, I've had I've had a couple of years of singing lessons already. 
and I want to take it to the next level. I'm, I, I feel that I'm not progressing the way I'm learning now, so I need, I need to change something. Or I want to take up singing. I, I always wanted to, you know, I don't even know if, if I have a voice. Uh, or someone would just come and say, hey, I, I've got to sing Wagner. How on earth do you do that? I say, okay, <laughs> we, we can do it. <laughs> we can do that's, it. That's a funny place to start too. That's I want to sing Wagner. Now, with, in, the, in an age of uh, America's Got Talent and The Voice, and it would seem like there are thousands upon thousands of amazing voices mm -hmm. that we just didn't know existed. We thought that it was more rare than it is. And now we, and now it's hard to be impressed, right? As a, as a, as a regular listener of music, mm -hmm. it's hard for us to, you know, we hear so many amazing things just by looking at a video on YouTube, you know, how do we know what, how do you know, I should say, as, as, as an expert in this field, as a, an edge, you know, someone who's schooled and trained in this field, how do you know, what is it that you hear in a voice when you know you've heard something truly magical? Hmm. So there's, there's two big aspects. One is the voice and that is just the voice. And then there is all the rest of the person. So, you know, incredible yeah. voices are born every day amazing voices there's talent out there like you know like like sand on the beach there's amazing talent out there but this does not mean that they will all uh, make it to a professional level uh, or reach it and then maintain it make a career out of it uh, preserve their voice and their health long enough you know, this this doesn't mean a lot. So talent is great. Uh, yeah. You can you can be born with a, with a golden voice. You know, the, these voices that just sound amazing because that's just how they are. They sound amazing before they've even had the first singing lesson. But this sometimes doesn't mean anything at all. And then you have people, and I've made this experience many times, people who come with the most ordinary, like nothing special voices. The only yeah. thing for me to be able to work with a singer, they have to be able to pitch. So they have to, no matter what they sound like, they have to hit the right notes. Right. So, yeah, if your pitch is there, we can work. If you don't pitch, I'm not going to waste your time or my time because, because I don't believe I can take it anywhere. But if the pitch is there, we can build it. Now let's go to um, someone who sees you as a spiritual life coach and not not connected to music right in any mm -hmm. way what what is that encounter like uh typically um people people look for me when they can't take the overwhelm anymore uh, many people try to stay strong you know they will work their ways through difficult relationships um also through being unwell like like sometimes um beginning or even even already more advanced depression or that kind of stuff feeling like why why am i you know what what's this life all about uh, uh, uh 
no joy in it. Why should I live like that? And what's the way out? How can I, you know, I'm, I'm like uh, 45 kilos overweight to have an autistic kid and, and I can't find the job because, you know, I just, what do I do? And the thing is, um, not everyone will look for me. There are many people who would not resonate with what I say, with how I think, with what I will tell them in the first three minutes. Um, these will be people who um, know in their hearts that there is a way out. They have no idea how to get out of there, but they do believe that there's a way out. These people will look okay. for Okay. So, are, what is the kind of thing you might say in the first few minutes to, let's take, let's, use me as a guinea pig. Let's say I, I come to you and I say I am, I am overwhelmed and I do sometimes feel emotionally exhausted where I don't, intellectually, I don't even have the energy really to attack a certain element of my life. I'm like, I just don't, it's too much. I'm going to just put it away for a little while and to not deal with it. There's plenty of other things to deal with. What, what is your response um at the very beginning we ha we have to see if there's any communication at all we have to see if we are a match because you might benefit from a completely different kind of coach and not from me at all and i might not want to work with you because uh, i i think that the results i can help you get are far too small for what you need so I, I have to find out if there is common ground to talk in the first place. So my first session with someone is always free. And it's not just like a short demo session, you know, people give you 15 minutes, uh, I'll give you a demo session and then, you know, let's, let's talk about booking six months or none of that. I'll take the time to uh, listen to you, see where you are, where you're at, what you need, what you want. And I'll, I'll ask you questions. I'll, I'll just get the conversation going and I will see if you are receptive for my kind of talk at all or not. Um, you know, the first thing is, is seeing that you, you kind of know that there is a way out. The total victim uh, to whom life happens and it's it's all bad anyway and there's no way out because we are ants put on this planet to suffer uh, I usually uh, they, they usually don't 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 want to hear me they're, they're usually not interested but when when the person says hey I was brought up to believe that I'm an ant but I actually believe that I'm not an ant maybe maybe I'm a caterpillar and Maybe, maybe, you know, I can fly, uh, I, can, I can get my wings out and I can fly, then definitely let's talk. So one thing I would typically ask a person is, okay, what are you? What are you? What's a human being? What are you? And, uh, you know, the way we're brought up again is 
to believe that we are a body with a mind. Uh, the mind is the product of the brains. So the body is matter, the brains is matter, and the thoughts, the mind, are the product of the brain. The way sight is the product of the eyes or hearing is the product of the ears, say it's a function. Right. Okay. So we are, we are a, a big chunk of matter with functions and then we have, you know, all these thoughts and feelings and emotions and we know that the, uh, the thoughts and feelings are connected to our body because we feel the emotions like, you know, you feel fear in your, in your guts, for example, or, or you have a good gut feeling like, yes, I want to do that and you feel it here. You know, most people are aware of that. They can feel that and they think that that's it. And that would be more who you are. So you are, it's not really what you are, this is more who you are. You are um, a certain, you're a human being, you have a body, you have a certain gender, a certain name, a certain nationality, a certain set of beliefs, whatever you have. You can change all of these things, you know. You can change all of them uh, and they they are who you are at the moment but they're not not saying a lot about you yet when I ask what you are uh, I want to see if there's scope for you to accept that who you are your body and all the things that can be said about you you know uh, white male American comedian whatever you know all of that that this is the smallest part of what you are. This is who you are, but this is the smallest part of what you are. And uh, so much of that involves choices. Um, you know, uh, this is the profession I chose. This is the marital status I chose. This yes. is the biological uh, identity that I, that I f feel most comfortable in. That's right. And it may not be what was assigned to me. It may be something, something else, but it's still choo I'm choosing something and yes. I'm expressing it. Yes. And so now, when you get to the point of asking what you are, what? So if you were to say that to me, I would say, well, what do you mean? What do you mean? What, mm -hmm. what do you mean? What am I? What? Where do you take that? Mm -hmm. So, is there more to you than? Uh, your body, your thoughts, your nationality, your gender, your profession, your relationships, your all of that. Is there more to you or is that what defines a human being? Is there more to me that isn't covered, you kind of mean, by those other things? In other words, in your job, you can do certain things and accomplish certain things. So let's say you're, let's say you're a financial advisor and... You help people with their, so you could say, I work, I, I work with people to help fulfill their lives and help them map out their dreams, help them conserve and expend their resources. So that's a lot. And if they would say, well, what, what are you beyond that? You know, and you could say, yeah, and I have three, uh, three kids and, or I, I, I do this, or I'm, you know, I have this partner and I, and once you get through all of those things, they say, well, what, what are you? They, would they be as abstract as I'm a ball of light or I feel like I'm warmth or I'm, I'm energy, I'm, I'm, uh, uh, frenetic energy. Like what, like what is that the right kind of Yeah. Direction? People phrase it in the, in the strangest ways, 
uh, in the most creative also ways. For me, it's about uh, what does, for example, one way of approaching it, what does the word, the word soul mean to you? Mm. Everyone's heard the word, you know, soul, someone's soulful. It's, you know, you, heard, you hear that the souls go to hell and to heaven and all of that. Yeah. Um, what does what does the word the concept does it mean anything to you at all or is it is it you know is it just um, superstition well, or what is it right right and we as a society have taken it to mean certain things we can say oh they've got soul like that for a while that that would mean it could mean depth it could mean uh, spirit you know a uh, identity that is rich with culture it could even it could even mean but at least you're taking it away from a preconception from saying you know because you hear that too oh i defy i defy categorization is something that that i've i've heard and i've said like categorization in and of itself is takes away the the special nature of a being, right? Because there puts them more like an ant. They're <laughs> they they fit in a category. They're a, they're a workhorse. They're uh, they're an academic. They're a uh, healer. But you know, so that's where I find that this becomes challenging because hmm. we can intellectualize almost anything. Can we actually internalize and and create an empathetic representation of who we are? Yeah, the thing when you say also when when you talk about you know the culture or all of that, that for me is still totally part of the mind of the time space reality you're in. You're born in a certain culture, or you discover another culture, and you learn the ins and outs of that culture. That is still a set of beliefs, a set of behaviors, a set of rules, a set of, uh, you know, aesthetic principles, moral principles, whatever. It's 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 all. Most of it is man-made. Now there are, um, there are um, constants that are found in all human beings across the globe. You know the the universal principles that that. Uh, common to every human being and that's where we go closer to what I'm talking about because uh, they will be present uh, in whoever no matter what culture they come from and mm. you know some is some is uh, like our normal instincts we want to survive we want to be happy we want to uh, uh, avoid pain and search pleasure and that kind of stuff okay but then there's also the fact that worldwide, apart from aberrations, because, you know, there's all sorts of, of, of um, uh, illness and stuff, but uh, across the globe, uh, amongst human beings, there is a will to cooperate. There's a will to protect the weak. There's a will to contribute. There's a way, a will to uh, belong, feel safe, help ask for help there's so many things there is there is i believe 
um, I might be one of the <laughs> not many who believe that, but there is an underlying big, huge human kindness. Humans are kind. Now, that this is not always true, of course, and you know you see, you see more examples of the opposite than of that. But why is that? So the the way I see it, the way I represent it, is on a line. I, uh, you know, sp space and time, linear space and time are some kind of a, of a simplification for our brains to, to grasp. But in the universe, there is no space and time. There's only the here and now. Like quantum physics shows exactly how there is no before and after. There is no here and there. It's all at the same time and in the same space. We can't grasp that. So we, yeah. we, um, we divide it, like we give our attention to uh, separate portions of space and separate portions of time, <coughs> simply because our neurons can't, can't grasp it. So, so it's, it's a way we represent it. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's some graphic design we're doing here. It's some, it's some yeah. you know. So, um, uh, the mind, the mind is, is, uh, is a graphic designer. The, the mind is the one that needs to understand, to chop it up into bite-sized pieces so it can make sense of one at a time and wait, don't overwhelm me and all of that. And the soul grasps it all. The soul doesn't, doesn't uh, worry about linear time, space, none of that. So the, yeah. the, the, the mind is trying to keep us alive. The mind is the one that was trying to keep us safe from tigers and, and poisonous berries back in the, in the times. And now it's mm -hmm. trying to keep us safe from our dreams. Now there's not that many, you know, uh, tigers and poisonous berries. So it's trying to protect us because that's what it does by default. It wants to protect us and it protects us to, from anything that is perceived as a threat. And basically, the mind is very fearful and everything is perceived as a threat. You have an idea, oh, no, I don't do that. You're not good enough. You can't do that. This is dangerous. What will they say? What will happen? Yeah, that's the core. That's the core element, I think, to all of this, to circle back around to childhood and the purity and innocence of our initial sense of self before everything else gets dumped on top of it is that. We don't know what's safe and what's not. And that's the one, the linchpin to child rearing is supposed to be creating a safe space, boundaries, even even by restricting children's, you know, certain things they're allowed to do. We're creating security for them yes. by them knowing that there are borders. Yes. And that if they cross those borders, that's dangerous for them. Yeah. And we're right, but at the same time, we're now reshaping their selves. So at that, going back to, you know, you being seven years old in Naples and having some of this, uh, this clarity, be able to provide people some, some clarity, what, what would we do differently with ourselves and with children to open up this space a little bit and and allow our 
essential selves to thrive a little more mm. without so much conditioning. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, you know, people, people out there talk a lot about the ego, like the ego mind is, is the source mm -hmm. of all evil because it wants to protect us. So it makes us small. It paralyzes us. It holds us back. We have all these limiting beliefs, all of that stuff. People talk a lot about that. And, and they, they are a big reality. They are this, this misinterpretation of our mind who, who, who can't find any tigers and berries anymore and chooses other things to protect us from. It's just doing what it knows how to do. It wants to protect us. So the thing is, uh, as soon as we get to a, a, <coughs> a little bit of, you know, just past the toddler, uh, toddler uh, stage where, where they just want to kill themselves to follow a butterfly or other mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And yeah. you write to kind of hold them back. And um, what we do and, and what I do, this, this is what, what most of my work is about, is helping people understand where their mind is becoming overprotective. So there are dangers that need to be understood and, avo and avoided and, and, you know, kept at bay, of course, but there are not that many. And it's very important to understand where the, um, the mind and the, the uh, our survival instinct is, is just uh, going in total overdrive and doing th things that it, it, it should not be worried about. So it's, a, it's about re-educating our system to understand uh, how far it can go, what its tasks are, and tell it in a loving and respectful way, because you can also imagine it as our inner child who's scared and, you know, this is also a way of seeing it. Uh, you don't want to scream at a child, you don't want to hit it or anything, but that's what, what we do with our ego. We, we want to kill it, we want to hit it, we want to... No, none of that. You have to uh, thank it for what it does, for what it does well, and make it feel safe. The thing about the ego is that it is incredibly scared. It's scared of everything. And it's scared of dying. It's scared that you will kill yourself, which is its end, of course, because if you kill yourself, the ego has gone and it doesn't want yeah. you to die. And it wants to be safe. So that's why it doesn't want you to do silly things because it wants to be safe. And it's about re-training um, our ego to, to a point where we say, look, uh, um, I, I say, I, I have the, this example of driving the car. You, you can't drive the car, okay? I'm driving the car. You, you don't drive, you, you don't know how to drive, but you are welcome to come along for the ride. You make yourself comfortable, open the window, enjoy the wind, you know, enjoy it. I'm, I'm never gonna uh, forsake you. I'm never gonna kill you. I'm never gonna hurt you. I appreciate you for what you are. You, you're, you're, a, you're a fabulous little mm, ego, you're a fabulous little inner child, you're a fabulous little uh, protector, defender, you, you, you're great at what you do, but you can't drive the car, okay? I'm driving the car. And this little thing will accept it, it will understand it. The problem is if you battle it, if you, if you fight, it will fight back because it's, it's scared of, you know, for its own life. Yeah. But if you can 
gently and respectfully and lovingly because it's part of yourself you want to, you want to be gentle and respectful with yourself you want to treat yourself well and if you teach it if you praise it for what it does well what it does also is is all the who are you your whole all your choices and your identity that's that's what it does and it does that really really well and you can you can applaud it for that only it should not tell you what your soul should do and so we're back to the soul what's the soul the soul is if you ask me 99% of what we're made of and yeah all the rest is the, 1% the, well the this ego that you describe is really the admin almost kind of like a like we're giving it we're authorizing it to do certain things that's right but it's not meant to authorize us because it has no insight into it has no what insight. we really what we are no so i think i'm getting the who and what dynamic because the ego is the who and and we are the the what the soul let's say is the is the what and the soul should dictate to the ego how to proceed yes. and what to use its skills and powers and, yes. and abilities for yeah but the ego will just try to keep it safe and and keep it keep it that that that's the part of us that is so fearful of things that we are inactive in other words we can say okay look i'm looking i'm on a bike i'm looking at this mountainside i think i'm probably going to go over the edge of the mountain if i ride the bike the, you know there's a part of me that wants to try it ego says it's a bad idea and you're like okay uh, maybe it's maybe it is a bad idea let's let the ego take me down the hill you know the, the safer way That's but right. then the ego says don't go on stage don't sing don't dance exactly. don't dance in this fountain or don't do this exactly. this thing because why take the risk exactly and the soul is the part that says because i am more than i am more than just a little survival mechanism exactly and the problem I need is meaning that we are in the middle when i say we i'm talking about our um say our conscious mind that's able to observe our conscious mind we are all able to do that we can we can observe our ego and observe our soul and so i see us as being here and having <laughs> all that the, um, the ego on one side uh, here and having the soul on the other side and we are always somewhere there and we decide when we're aware of it otherwise it's default you know you're, you're trapped in the mind and the soul doesn't have a say because the, the mind is so noisy that the soul's whisper can't even come through you won't hear it so the problem is we're trapped in the mind and that's that's all we know all we hear and and the mind rules but when we are aware enough that we are observing this and we say okay this is the mind and this is the one i'm telling look you you don't know how to drive the car but you come along for the ride and then i tell the soul you know i made space for you you drive the car now and mm. it's it's always for me it's always a question are we closer to the ego or closer to the soul and there is one way of knowing there is one way of knowing for sure 
Imagine a, an old style um, uh, indicator. Metronome. You know, an indicator like for, for the petrol in your car, you know, yeah. something yeah. like that. Is, a uh, meter. Um, some a meter. kind of a meter for anything. A thermometer yeah. or anything like that. And it will always show you if you are going towards the mind or towards the soul. And how do you know? The question is, your meter is, how do you feel? How are you feeling right now? So if you're feeling anything heavy, anything like, you know, it's hard, it's a struggle, I'm tired, I don't believe it, I don't know, uh, I don't want to know, uh, I can't do it, it's dangerous, it's whatever. Any heavy feeling or I'm jealous or I'm angry or I'm whatever. This is certainly this way. It's indicating like towards the towards the, the mind. This has nothing the to mind, do with yeah. the soul. When you're feeling anything from wow, I'm feeling fabulous to you know anything that's comes with with joy, with elation, with any of that love. Yeah. Uh, that that is you you're you're closer to, to the soul. You're in the realm of the soul. You know, the, the mind has a small playground. It's a small playground of, of fear. And the soul has an infinite realm. And it's the realm of love. And if you ask me, fear is the opposite of love. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because a lot of people equate hate as the opposite of love. But hate is merely a manifestation of fear. That's Hate's right. just something... Fear creates That's right. in order to get the job done. Yes. Oh, well, the only way I can combat love is by creating an opposing feeling, sentiment, and that's hate. So I'll generate that. Absolutely. I'll foment that and that will do the job of keeping that, keeping me safe or keeping whatever. So I think um, in talking to you, and there's so much more to talk about, but uh, but I definitely think that our listeners can benefit from checking out, you know, uh, your site and seeing what you have to offer, because while you can't work with every person, do you, do you have a, do you have a platform that you're using now for like a podcast or a, or a, a speaking? So, yes. Um, not, not quite yet. I'm in the process of creating a big program. So, uh, um, this will be up, I hope, in the next two weeks on my website. Okay. Um, if I go behind why I do what I do, you know, I coach people. Okay, that's great. Why do I do that? I do that because I want human beings to be empowered. I want human beings to understand what they are. I don't care who they are. I just do not care who you are. I, will, I only care about what you are. And I want you to understand what you are. What you are, uh, you know, there's ways of describing it. But bear with me, I will say you are a god. You are a spark of the divine. You are, you can say you're a child of God, if you imagine God as in a religious way. Uh, you can say you are a part of universal intelligence. If you see the universe more in a kind of, quantum physics kind of way or whatever you can phrase it the way you want but even even you know when the normal saying we are children of god that works fine for me uh i'm 
uh, I don't really like religion in general, organized religion, because I find that it's disempowering. It tells yeah. humans what they have to believe and how they have to behave. And for me, this is politics. This is manipulation. It's nothing to do with spirituality. I want the human being to be aware of what they are. And a human being is a very, very powerful creator. Very powerful. Yeah. Incredibly powerful. And we create by default. We don't know it, but we're still creating at top speed. But then since we don't know how to use the machine, we're creating stuff we don't want. But it's a powerful machine that's creating like crazy all the time. So it's about learning how to use the, the, the knobs, you know, so, so we, we can create what we want, wanted things and not unwanted things. I will never say good or bad because this is very relative, but for me it's wanted or unwanted. So I want human beings to be aware of what they are and of what they are able to create. Um, so, okay, that's, that's my why. And then if I go even back, even further, why do I want this? Uh, my ultimate why, I believe, is because I want to help the planet. And I, the planet and nature, Mother Nature, Mother Earth. And I know for sure, I know for sure, that when human beings are empowered, that part of this is understanding how big a part of the universe they are, how deeply related they are to the planet, to nature, how deeply their creation interacts with the planet. It's a lot more than we think. You know, there are these yeah. cartoons like, like um, it's a funny cartoon I saw, I saw recently, Earth scratching and saying, oh my God, I got humans. And another planet saying, oh yeah. no, they're, they're really, really boring, but they don't last long. So this is, yeah. this is very funny, it made me, made me laugh, but this is absolutely not, not right, not true. This is not how it is, it's, it's really funny, but this is not how it is. We yeah. are intimately, strongly connected to our planet. And we can influence the, the well-being of the planet and of everything that's on the planet, all living beings, hugely, hugely. Not only our own lives and our dreams and our projects and our things, but it goes so deep. It's, it's unbelievable. When you, when you get a glimpse of that, it's, it's incredible. Thanks so much for tuning into Truth Tastes Funny. If you enjoyed the experience, please leave a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends.